Tov, so let's have a look at a, a topic that um, comes out of our Sedra. Actually, uh, it's a discussion that I think um, is, more, is based on the Haftorah more than the Sedra itself. But uh, let me just introduce it to you. Um, it's a famous topic, but it's often um, it's interesting to see the different um, viewpoints on this. And that is uh, the following. Our, uh, our Haftarah of Parshat Balotcha um, really is a kind of a uh, parallel to Hanukkah. Same Haftarah, Roniva Simchi Batzion. And um, just as our parasha begins with Aaron and the, his role in lighting the menorah, etc., uh, and the fact that the menorah would eventually become the Hanukkah in Jewish history, so the, the Haftarah is the same. We basically read from Zechariah the prophecy that he saw with regard to a menorah depicting uh, future events as well. So, uh, but my comment actually is not so much on the menorah. It's a totally side-related comment, but um, it's a, there's a, there's a, I found a fascinating um, ma'amar, a particular essay, which was written, it was about Hanukkah, but it's written by the B'nai Sakhar, And, um, you know, he goes on to speak about Hanukkah. But the part that really interested me was a quote with regard to this opening line over here. Um, the B'nai Sakhar talks about, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of a bit bothered by the start of the Haftarah, that Roni V'simchi Batzion, it's the last few psukim of Perek Bet in Zechariah. And... Um, at, at first glance, he doesn't see. He doesn't see the. Um, he doesn't see the the what you call the. Sorry, one second. Someone just wants to get in, yeah. Do I have to let everybody in? I don't know if I have to let. No, people can come in automatically. All right. So, um, okay, getting back to. Um, Oh, no, this guy wants to get in. What is everybody's in automatically, aren't? Um, let me see what's going on here. Sorry, just give me a second see to try and uh, I don't know where to tell this guy what what's the number here. Sorry. You can send that link that the Rebbitson distributed. Yo, where was it? Was it, it was sent out, was on, on the schmooze, I think it was on the schmooze group. It was on the schmooze. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it. It's only blinking groups here. Okay. I'll send it to you. All right, let me just forward it to you. Um, Oh, thanks, Trevor. Okay, sorry about that. So again, so um, the B'nai, the B'nai Sakhar, I got it. Uh, the B'nai Sakhar makes a comment here 
we're looking at the Haftarah of Rani V'Simchi Batsiyon, um, there's these three psukim, four psukim, um, that introduce the Haftarah, but that don't seem to have anything to do with Hanukkah. So the B'nai Sachar wants to know um, why is it that this particular piece, the, the first few psukim, what's their role in the Haftarah over here, especially with regard to Hanukkah? Um, and there's no union of Hanukkah over there. He thought you would, you would have started from, from Peregimel and, um, you know, or, or when, in fact, it's a little bit further into Peregimel, but when there's a kind of a response, Peregdaladi once, you know, Vayashova Malach Adoverbi, when he talks about the Malach comes back with a prophecy of this menorah. So, um, so he questions how half of the Haftorah is really, seems to be without connection. What's the connection between this first part of the Haftorah um, and and the second part of the Torah with regard to with regard to Hanukkah. So so again, my topic isn't Hanukkah, but I just bring it to you as an introduction. So what does he say? He says like this. He says, uh, I want to quote from the Chida, um, a, uh, a Chidush, and the Chidush is as follows. Um, he says like this: The hard ifsik call zemer bisha erva. Based on the well-known Gemara in Brachot of Dalad, where we have this din that a woman's voice um, is part of her beauty, and therefore it comes with all the laws of tzniut that surround it. So just as we are uh, cautioned to to, um, to to guard our eyes from looking at non-tzanua uh, people who are dressed non-tzanua, um, so we should we guard ourselves from hearing a kol bisha because kol bisha erva. So once we once we paskin that there's some sort of sensual beauty that exists in a woman's voice, and that we have to um, guard ourselves from from looking at a woman while she's singing. So the chida says, "Bimkom But when you're talking about a situation where uh, a woman is singing in such a scenario where there's Eimah Deshkinta, there's the fear of heaven that's involved there, Ein Lachush, the prohibition there doesn't apply, or there's no chashash, there's no suspicion, there's no worry that a person will be uh, attracted to, to hearing a woman sim- singing when she's, when she's singing uh, something which is Kadosh. And he continues as follows, he says, Vokhiach in Nida, he quotes a Gemara in Nida, Dafyud Gimel, um, Anyway, he quotes, us, he quotes us idea of Aymata Deshkinta, Lekala Meichush, Lehirur. Whenever there's a, the fear of Akosh Baruch that's invested in the scenario that's uh, spoken about, the, the chances of, of being swayed by the Yetzirah to think erotic thoughts is, uh, is diluted to a point where it becomes uh, mutar. So he writes in brackets, the Bnei Yisachar, about this Chidah's comment. He says, Bnei um, he says, I personally, I, you know, I have my doubts about this chidush. But nevertheless, um, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting drosha that he has over here. Because what, what was the drosha trying to say? Because he, uh, he wants, he wants to say as follows, that the, the, the what you call the the haftorah, the the, the navi of the, the nevuah of Zechariah says Ronni v'simchi bat Zion. 
sing and rejoice the daughters of Zion. It sounds like, even though it's kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, it's a drosha on the, on this pasuk, but he's taking the idea of bat Zion that a, that woman would be able to sing. Um, the assumption is over here in such a way that men would hear them. Um, and the reason why it's mutar um, is because the scenario that's being spoken of over here, the geula that's about to come, is going to come um, as a result of women's involvement. Um, and once the shechina is there would be no isur of kol isha when the Emata the Shinta is is present, and so he he brings us drosha to explain why it is that this Torah, this part of the Torah, is appended to the 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 recollection of the miracle of Hanukkah, where it doesn't seem to have anything to do with Hanukkah, but he wants to put the two the two together, and he wants to demonstrate that, as is well known, the Hanukkah story had had women behind the scenes that were quite involved in the miracle, and so. It's almost like a kind of a parallel to uh, other miracles that took place in Tanakh, where, for example, Devorah and Barak, the two of them together, they uh, they routed the armies of Sisra, and eventually Yael joins and destroys uh, just destroys Sisra. But um, in the song of Devorah, you've got an expression that's recorded in Shoftim Perek Hay, where Devorah says, "Anochi Hashem, Anochi Ashira," you know, and he wants to, you know. I am for Akosh Baruch Hu, and I therefore want to want to sing praises to Hashem. And uh, so the Chida Darshan that the Chayvan Shanochi Lashem Biyesh Bekan Gilu Shchina, then Alkain Anochi Ashira. Even though I'm a woman, I can still continue to sing in this regard. And then he continues to explain various other psukim: Tzali Veroni Yoshevet Zion. Yoshevet is Lashon Nekeva. So uh, the Kavona over here is. You know, uh, and bottom line is his whole whole idea over here is that um, that that this concept of kol isha, which is normally seen as an erva, but when when there's aima deshinta that's involved here, when there's yirat shamayim and there's a there's a holy scenario that uh, there's no uh, this, this din of kol isha would would fall away, um, and then of course yeah he wants to. As I mentioned before, he wants to bring it to explain regarding the dinim of Hanukkah that, uh, you know, and all the, all the nisim and the gulot, uh, which, which were, that, which existed from the beginning of time, um, have, have woman or womanhood within the, within the picture. And that he, he brings, uh, all the way from the beginning, he brings Zohar as a gulat Mitzrayim, you know, start with, with, with Bitya getting involved with, with saving Moshe Rabbeinu. And uh, in Galut Babel, um, so you know you're talking about uh, you know the granddaughters coming from Belshazzar and Daniel, but at the same time there's like uh, the, the, the Esther's involved in all of this, and Yehudit for the Chashmonaim, and uh, so you see that he's trying to bring this concept of a in, in a Drush kind of way, but there's a bit of halacha we've woven into it, which is quite a big chidush tikka halacha over here because it's a, a very lenient position. That's taken on Pialocha with regard to the concept of Kol Bisha Erva as it's applied to a situation where there's Aimata the Shinta, you know, with this fear of heaven there. And um, so I just bring it as an introduction and a tie in to discuss the din 
is from this Chidush uh, of the Chida quoted by the Bnei Yisachar uh, with regard to Roni Vesimchi Batzion. How how it's interesting is a, a real serious kula over here that's uh, that's uh, that's given in this din by a serious posek. And um, I guess the, the real the real question is how many people hold of such a thing and and how is it applied? Um, because in today's uh, day and age, we uh, we in a sense see in the in the shutim of the poskim, we see a, we see a much more machmir approach to to this kind of a this kind of a story, even though it's uh, it's it's spoken about. So um, I mean, taking this idea to the to the nth degree, you know, if you're in shul and women are singing together with men and they're singing kedusha, one could say that. Essentially, there's you know you you have to you have to like be willing to say this that the that there's a, there's Yerushalayim there there's Eimata Deshinta in the actual Kedusha Dika words of the various parts of davening and the whole scenario is designed in such a way that uh, we we separate one from the other. So if you want to if you're going to say that that's Eimata um, Deshinta that's probably the closest example we can have in our day and age. You would therefore be matir women to sing, uh, even if they sing loudly, on the other side of the mechitza, and in theory, everybody singing together, you'd be able to, according to this chidrah, you'd be able to justify such a thing. And I don't know for sure, but um, I know that there was many controversies, especially in the early years of modernity, where in Anglo jury, there were mixed choirs in shul. Um, I know even here, in the in the great synagogue, apparently they had a mixed choir long before we emigrated to these shores. Uh, there, of course, you'd have to ask yourself if that's Aimata Deshinta. Number one, you didn't see them because they were up in Shamayim there. The whole choir was like you know out of sight, but it was like the Havdil in the back there, right, right on top. When they when they had a, when they had like a whole different configuration of how the shul was. But in other shuls as well. So if you've got a non-frum shul, people are all driving to shul, you know, and they're sort of davening. Are you going to say that there's aimata deshinta there? And just because they're sprouting, um, uh, you know, dvarim shibik dusha, words of davening, but can you really say that that people who come to shul and breaking shabbos and coming there, and who knows what level of tzniut you're working with, that even though they, they're singing holy words, but that's called Aimata Deshinta. You you can't just apply it's not so easy to apply it. You have to really be convinced that there's a kind of uh, seriousness of, of Aimata Deshinta there. So, you know, we're used to hearing the idea that, you know, Divrei Torah don't Makabel Tuma and but you have to realize, yeah, the phrase that the Chida uses is something slightly different. He's not just saying that the words can never be used to in a in a in a provocative way. He's looking at the context, you know, this is the context. So Devorah and Barak are, are, are singing because in there, there's almost like a, a prophetic moment there where there's a Koshbaruchu through them is revealing a Shira, a Shira Devorah, which is prophecy. So um, anyway, you can see the big Kiddush of the, of the Chidah, but even if you want to apply it in today's day and age, there are limited scenarios of such a thing. So one could possibly justify a lenient opinion that in shul we have what we have. Then one could talk about, as Poskim do, uh, talk about people who saw mixed singing going on at uh, in youth movement scenarios. Uh, but more specifically, 
let's say your own Shabbos table, you know, you've got guests who come for Shabbos, everybody's singing Zmirot, and now you've got uh, a woman who want to join in for the Zmirot, uh, you know, what would happen over there? So, again, if a person is mamash, uh, if the people are, that are around you are, are engaged in, 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 let's call it, Kedushadik behavior, one could probably uh, apply the Shida there. And um, what's interesting is, is that when I looked at the various uh, Shutim, I didn't see the Shida quoted. Like, uh, you know, there's, there are much more Mahmir opinions here. And again, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even challenging anything. I'm just saying what, I, what I'm surprised at. And I don't even want to pass an Aloha Lamaisa without discussing it with, with, uh, with others. But it's a really interesting point. I've never seen such a clear and unequivocal, um, you know, quote from a seriously respected Akron uh, with regard to such a kula in this particular area. What you don't see from the, the drosha, you don't see that it's, it's applied. So the chida doesn't go, doesn't go the next step, what I'm trying to do here, and say, well, we can apply this to shul or the Shabbos table or to a youth movement. That's left for others to, to debate the issue. But, um, but just, just to bring it uh, as, a, as a launch pad for the discussion is somewhat very, very interesting. Uh, many Akronim reject this idea of, uh, you know, Dvorah and Barak being an example uh, for this kind of Chidush. Uh, there, it's like, you know, you can't compare something which is a Pia Dibur, just as Dvorah got the, got the Gushpanka from Hashem, she got the so-called go-ahead to be a Nevoah uh, in such a way that she would pass in Shalas, and, she, you know, she had what was arguably the equivalent of a Beisdin, some people argue it wasn't a Beisdin, but it was rather much, you know, eight sort, etc. But it does sound like she was really, uh, uh, you know, a posseik or poseket of, of, of sorts. Uh, and, you know, it's unusual. And just, just as that is Alpia Dibur, so the same thing would be true with, um, you know, with the fact that she, she and Barak were given Rishus to sing such a, to sing the song, or, you know, together. Or, 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 he, or others could hear her singing the song that, that she was singing. But, um, you know, nevertheless... It's a very interesting position this particular Chidush, uh, you know, brings to the fore because uh, especially in our modern day scenarios, um, we, we encounter this all the time without, with, you know, and, you know, we don't necessarily think about the, the problems that occur over here. We almost very, very Michael, especially those of us who grew up in, in mixed youth movements, you know, we, we, we grew up with, with, uh, with a Kula in this particular area. And the leniency that we were all taught was um, a shoot of the Sri Dayesh, who um, you know, who wrote who wrote about his own experience um, uh, when he encountered this. So the, yeah, the Sri Dayesh you're talking about before you're talking about before the the, the world wars. Um, the Sri Dayesh lives after that too, but he he uh, he was in Berlin, the seminary in Berlin, and um, he had he had come from a he had, let's call it, he had come from a classic background, but when he, he came to Berlin um, or to France, he came there and he saw, he came to Berlin, he saw people singing together, you know, at Shabbos tables. And uh, he, 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 was, he was totally, he was shocked in a way because to him it was clear that Kolbi Shaerva, and therefore one shouldn't do such a thing. Um, at the same time, he couldn't fault the frumkite of the people that hosted him uh, where he saw this happening, because they were, these were people who were completely and utterly dedicated to Aloha. 
So he tried to work this out. And at first he, he writes about the fact that um, he protested against this minag of German jury. Um, but he, he, uh, he writes that he, uh, in order to square this off in his head, he didn't just puzzle it straight away. At first he like said, no, this is not right at all. It's an issue. But then after investigation, he writes that he saw that um, he had heard from, from uh, people there in Germany that the great Rabonium, like Brazil, Hildesheimer and Schoenschwald Hirsch of Frankfurt had allowed men and women to sing uh, Shabbat Zmirot together. And uh, the question was, what was the Kula based on? So it's interesting that the first suggestion that was given to him was that we have a principle called Trey Kalilomishtani, where two people speak together. The Gomorrah Megillah has a scenario. If two people are reading the Megillah at the same time, those who are listening to the two people reading it together, can you actually hear properly? Because two, two voices that sort of come together, Lomishtami, you know, don't give for good listening, um, especially if they're not 100% in time with each other. So the question was over here was the first suggestion that was given to him was that two voices coming together, you know, don't really, don't really work. So the question, of course, is, well, okay, so scenario number one would be if two people are singing together in perfect harmony, you know, there, okay, you've got like a, a third voice that's created, a hybrid of two, but it's beautiful. And, and there you could, you know, you could still possibly say that, you know, it even makes it nicer. Um, or you could stick your guns and say, look, you know, we're not yet to judge harmonies. We judge, we had to judge Trey Kalilomishtami's Alachi principle. And the minute there's a choir of people or a group of people singing, we're going to take this line that says that Alachi, you were already outside the rubric of, you know, of being able to listen properly. And therefore, you know, Kol Bisha Erva would not, uh, you know, would, would not be thrown at us because it's camouflaged within the scenario of, of more than one voice. Uh, the argument against, as I said, would be that it can sometimes enhance it. And therefore, it's a question whether you want to say that, number one, it either enhances it, or number two, try Kali Lomishtami with Adini Megillah when people are reading together, not when people are singing, and, you, you know, you might be able to differentiate it out. And, and therefore, the question is, uh, you know, he, the Sudaish himself wasn't really happy with using this for a... He, 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 didn't, he, didn't think, uh, he didn't think this was the way to go. What, uh, what, what does convince him um, is as follows. He, uh, he, he, he found a, a sefer or set of him an encyclopedia written by the Stei Chemed. Stei Chemed is a, such an underrated set of him. It's unbelievable. This um, Rab Medini is like a Svardi Rov who literally, it's like a, he wrote his own encyclopedia, Talmudit almost. Um, anyway, he quotes a tremendous amount of Homer and um, the Steichemer quotes a, a Svardirov who, um, who, who took to this particular Shaila and uh, the, the name of the, of the Rov is Svarim, uh, is, is, is known as the Divrei Chefetz and uh, this Rov allowed, allowed mixed singing uh, of religious songs um, and, and so, yeah, he had an, an apostate who came before him um, who, who, uh, who applied the same principle that we were talking about from the Chida, but he sort of, he, you know, he, he's prepared to apply it, that either the religious songs obviously give over the impression of a religious, of a religious environment. Uh, you know, that's sort of my uh, understanding of what he's saying here. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, the Stay himself makes comment, makes comment about this Dvoran Barak support that uh, the Stay isn't of the opinion that it's Al-Pidibur, meaning that it's like uh, to be only seen as a totally exceptional um, happening where, you know, Akosh Baruch's or or, or, or Heter allowed it to happen. Um, you know, the, 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 idea, the idea behind it is, is that uh, here the Sudaish uh, is, is working with the Chida's idea. Uh, it's the same kind of idea that he's working with. And so, yeah, he has a posseik already um, that, that, that talks about this idea more than just talking about a technical issue of Trey Kalilomishtami. But yeah, he was even willing to go and say that, that the atmosphere around Shabbat's Mirot or um, singing religious songs is considered Aymata Deshkinta, which neutralizes the, the, the Yetzahora of Kolbe Yishaiva. So this is, um, this is really what we were brought up with in B'nai Akiva uh, when you looked at the Lomdus of what, of what people were doing in the world of Kiruv, not just B'nai Akiva, I just happened to encounter it there, but, um, but this is really what, uh, what, what's happening here, where you, the context is one of Kedusha. So um, that that more that more or less is uh, you know was was what we understood from the Suda age. He then he then almost goes on to a second uh, part of his 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 treatment of this idea, where once he sort of got a halachic uh, heter, he he then works with the educational uh, kiruv aspects of of the time in which he sees uh, so many people assimilating and. Um, he once once he's able to once he's able to rely on the fact that uh, not, that there are poskim before him that are giving a heter when it's religious songs, and I would add, and I would add as well that um, and I would add as well that that there's a machloket aposkim whether the din of Kolbi Shairva is a din right or din drabanan, and most seem to hold it's a din drabanan. So so uh, now that now you're working with a din drabanan. Um, and and there's a the poskim who give him the ability to to be makil in the areas of religious songs. Then he comes along to say that listen, you know, the situation of people leaving Yiddishkeit is uh, is is so is so problematic in his door. So therefore, uh, his, uh, his, 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 just as he saw legitimacy in mixed groups after seeing the so-called carnage that was taking place. In, in you know in the simulation story, so the same thing over here. So you know he was uh, eventually he was when he was asked to Shaila as this personality in Germany. So he instructed the leaders of uh, Yeshurun, which is the the, the one the youth movement there. That the, the Yeshurun I think was in France. So he told them that they can rely on the heterium of of the Rabbonim in like or Hildesheimer in Germany. And he and he basically goes on to say that um, that uh, in his what he sees out of all the educational programs that he's seen in his time, none have been more successful at keeping people, you know, on the on the straight and narrow track of Yiddishkeit, uh, despite the simulationists around them, as uh, as the rabbonim in, in Germany, and so. Uh, so he he's really he works with that scenario, and that's the that's the heter we we grew up with, um, allowing it allowing 
Kobe Shaivat take a back seat, especially when you're teaching people Zmirot which are which have got holy words to them and uh you know and is a and is a son of a kind of a scenario which is considered an area where Aimata Dashinta is present. It's 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 quite hard to to work with it because you've got to have so many variables in variables in place. So that's you know that was the heter that that we relied on. But I would say the majority of Poskim, you know, looking to deal with this the story, the majority of Poskim are are vehemently against Kobe Shaiva and their Tarim included there. And you find many of the the Poskim when discussing this idea of Zmirot on the Shab even Zmirot around the Shabbos table of are ushering it completely. But I guess in our generation and, and, and in the society we grew up, as I say, we grew up to rely on the on the Hetairim and the Mikilim, but in the more Yeshivish places they wouldn't rely on these Hetairim. So um anyway, this is part of the this is part of the discussion as to what one would do. Um what's interesting is is that uh, I want to try and demonstrate to you that as follows there's a there's a there's a there's a famous machalikas or discussion uh with regard to uh in general with regard to physical contact with the opposite sex um which we, we you know which we deal with in shuhanaruch now what's interesting is is that in the discussion when one deals with physical contact so we are taught that there are two expressions in the in the in the pasuk of psukim and achremot and kedoshim and the two expressions are lola galot erva which means the actual int uh, the actual act of intimacy itself between people that you aren't married to and and besides the act of intimacy itself there's also lotikrav so there's lotikrav legalot erva there are two verbs there lola galot and lotikrav legalot lotikrav legalot is really uh is don't come close to uncovering nakedness don't don't put yourself in a scenario doing things which are sexually provocative which are sex, sexually stimulating as a machloket rambam and ramban whether that is a din doraita or din rabanan but we paskin like the rambam that is a din doraita so lotikrav legalot means you know hugging kissing uh, holding hands with with uh, with the opposite sex that that's a that's the major issue lotikrav legalot erva this kind of a unique scenario here where you've got the actual intimate act itself which is then protected by a offense but normally offense is rabbinic he has an example uh of a of a xayra that the torah made around itself in this particular discussion um there's an interesting there's an interesting uh, or uh, i would say a, a landmark uh by the shach with regard to regard to qualifying this you know what kind of physical contact is is an isudor writer you know what what's the quality of the contact so the shach teaches us that um you know it's, he just echoes the rambam really but he but he's the one who makes a who makes it uh, well known in in shulchan aruch that the type of contact has got to be you know sexually provocative stimulating and and the people that are engaged in the in in any type of physical contact are doing it for that reason so it's got to be a kind of kira it's a got a, it's a kind of like contact which is um mahmat taivat bia which means it has a sexual dynamic uh, woven into the whole uh, the whole scenario so you know when you when you confronted with 
holding a, a you know a girlfriend that you have in high school or after holding your girlfriend's hand there the whole idea of holding one's hand or hugging or kissing each other that that is a problem because it violates loyalty crave and it's it, it's very difficult to to uh to say that you know if it's your girlfriend that uh you're not doing it for the sexual stimulus that comes as a result of it um but but in principle says the shaykh these activities these expressions of closeness if they if they were done in such a way where there was no uh taivat beer involved in it if you did it in such a way there was there was no there was you know it was devoid of sexuality then then the act itself would be would would not be an isudor writer would not be an isudor writer so you know if you if if you if you try and somehow malamed shut if you try and find a a way to to uh to 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 blunt the blade of accusation against people who socially kiss each other hello and goodbye so you could say well in culture in certain people's culture that's what it is you know you 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 kiss each other hello you kiss each other goodbye and there's no sexual dynamic there um and so therefore if one can claim such a thing then you would be right you would say there's no issue to write in that in that kiss and people may or may people may uh, claim that that's what their culture is you know you know in certain cultures all they do is they before you they say hello they they're kissing you twice three times for you know that's just the whole the social kiss is meant to be devoid of sexuality it's like a handshake however is it really true and how do you define that and uh you know is it you know how do what i'm wondering is it such a gray area that any god fearing person in our culture doesn't really go down that road if they want to be from you know because it's such a hard thing to do that ah oh, you know i kissed this uh, friend of mine a woman who's married to somebody else and there was no sexuality in it it's like it's like me kissing my sister you know and and taka uh, if it's true if it, if it happens to be true then okay you can you got an argument that's not an issue to write you know is an issue to write but an interesting question but there's no issue because there's no sexual dynamic in in the act itself and the same thing is is true so with kissing it becomes much harder in our society to say look you know that's okay but but what what uh, was always debated was the handshake so you had uh, you had you had people that especially the yekisha hero grew up in you know they they had a lot of manners so before everybody else maybe the french too you know shaking women's hands by men or abonim you know everybody falls past you wishing you good shabbos uh, it 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 wasn't something that was ridiculously out of the ordinary it was part and parcel of 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 societal behavior and so there you would only justify it by saying that the handshake is easier to justify and have a, a delineated uh, you know the definition of saying that the handshake by and large has no uh, sexual um, dynamic woven into its activity and therefore it's it's a limut khut on those who had to do it and even today you know we all know the famous concept somebody initiates a handshake and it might embarrass you to refuse so you know you got what to allow and not to refuse the handshake because the handshake in in and of itself is uh is not is uh is not assumed at first glance to have any kind of dynamic inside there which would be problematic it's interesting that uh, i remember years ago when i was in yeshiva and i was discussing this with uh 
one of Mori Rabbi Krombine. So he was the first to point out to me the interesting scenario where the Gemara discusses this. Actually, I think it's a Yerushalmi actually that discusses this idea that uh, when a woman came to the Beit Hamikdash and she wanted to bring a mincha offering, uh, and they had to be get a you would wave the flower. The wave how did a coin wave together with a woman the flower? So the description is there that you got you know you got your hand the flower in the hand, the woman's got her hands like this over the flower. And the Kohanim would put their hands over the woman's hands and then you know, move it in each direction. So you see there from the fact that there's Aimata de Shinta, you know, the similar kind of principle that the whole scenario is not one of, you know, if the Kohen has got uh, some attraction to this woman, then by die it's problematic. But the din becomes very subjective as opposed to objective. A handshake or touching one's hands is, is not objectively stimulating. It can be subjectively stimulated. So if, if, if the guy's attracted to the girl, then of course the handshake is a problem. And that's what the Rambam, the Rambam says. You know, the Rambam is, uh, you know, is famous saying that, you know, literally you can you can violate nisudoraita uh, when you just look look at the woman's pinky. If you if your if your intention is to benefit from this, then um, you know, then uh, then of course the whole sexual dynamic is present, and therefore it's like looking at the woman naked as such, right? So. If your intention is to be uh, sexual uh, with something which is normally, you know, objectively not a problem, and you take something which obje- is objectively, let's call it neutral, and you turn it into a subjective um, form of attraction, that of course is an Isidore writer. So, uh, so you know, so that's the case. But if, if it's devoid of any area of sexuality or stimulus, then uh, for sure there's no Isidore writer. The question is. You know what? Would, would there be an Isud Rabbanan? But but just as we're applying this, just as we're applying this concept to um, physical contact between the opposite sexes um, who who are not allowed to be together, and we and we we are we are basically saying, listen, if you can prove or if you know that there's no sexual dynamic there, then the actual physical act itself, you know, at the very least is is not an Isidoraita at best, it might even be Mutar. Then um, that idea is um, is something that you probably find a parallel in what we're saying over here. So just to give you an idea again, there's a very, uh, an interesting Chavot here, which quotes, uh, some, you know, I guess a, a story, an anecdote, if you will. He was asked this, I think, by the people who experienced it. Um, if I remember correctly from the from the Shulchan Aruch, so what happens is is that um, there's a, there's there's a uh, there are two guys. Let's start like this. There are two, there's a there's a mother and a daughter who are trying to cross the border um, in in Europe between two towns, either Frankfurt to Mine or or uh, some other whatever town they're coming from, Vermeiser or something. Um, anyway, they're trying to cross the border, and you know, it wasn't simple for people to get across the border. You had to have the right papers. Anyway, they come to the border control, the, the, the border people there, and they, you know, the, the guard there says, Where are your papers? They don't have the papers. Anyway, uh, you know, they, it's, they, they're in a bit of a complicated mess. While they're in this mess, uh, two guys come, and they're also looking to cross the border. They also don't have papers, and they see, they see the scenario of what's going on here. They quickly you know, they quickly pick up what's happening. 
And then the, the two guys look at the two girls and uh, Yiddish cops are working over here. And before you know it, they say, you know, look, let's just, uh, let's, let's do the following. Let's pretend that we married. So the two guys sound like they're contemporaries. The mother and daughter is an older mother and a younger daughter. Now they're going to play the game and see if they can fool the God and pretend that they're married. Anyway, so they do. They decide to act as if they are married couples, you know. So, anyway, the, the God seems to be uh, somewhat of a cleverer guy. And he said, you know, he doesn't, he, doesn't buy, he doesn't buy it. So he says to them, you married, eh? Prove it to me, you know. Kiss her. And then now these from Hebrew are all in a bit of a door. What do they do now? Anyway, it sounds like in uh, time on a Jewish fashion, they bribed the God and they went to. Anyway, when they, came, when they came to civilization, that was the Shiloh that they asked. The Shiloh was, you know, if, they would, if it would have had to happen that, that they forced me to kiss the girl, could I have done it? So the answer was that, the answer to the Chavot was, if you kissed her under those circumstances, it, it would be, uses the expression, it's if like a, like a demon forced you. And that kind of a kiss is not a kiss that's over in Yisur. So if you had to do it, you know, you would be, uh, you would be under that circumstances, you know, that's the story. So it's like, uh, when you're getting married, you know, you're a from guy, you're getting married to your from wife and you know, you've got non from family members and that, that dreaded aunt of yours comes hurtling down the red cop, uh, trying to give you a hug and a kiss before you get married. You know, that's like Kamisha Kfa or shade. You know what I mean? It's like a demon got you. So there, the assumption is that there's no real uh, sexual intensity there. So listen, you don't get points upstairs, but bottom line is you wouldn't be over an Isidore writer. So the same thing over here, the, the, the question that we are asking here is, it should apply as well about Kolisha, which means that the type of call um, needs to be such, uh, the type of scenario needs to be such that somebody is fully engaging um, to, to, uh, for, the, for the intense purpose of Tavad beer, Just as it works by physical contact, we're suggesting that it would work by Kolisha as well. So if you're looking for where there are lenient platforms over here, you've got to create a scenario where, you know, Shabbat Zmirot around the table or possibly Ruach sessions at a camp or whatever it be. It's like, you've got to make sure that there's none of this there. So if there's one guy who who's, you know, who's fallen for some girl and they, the two of them are singing, well, then of course there's going to be or you at least got to be choshesh for such a thing, just as if they were holding hands. You know, the guys are going to tell you that he's not stimulated by it. They're there, but I've been issued or writer. But if there were, if there were some people, you know, engaged with one another, and you could prove or you could honestly say that there was no taiva of chibat bia here, where there was no sexual dynamic, then then I'm wondering if the same thing would apply. Which would mean that, I mean, it's dangerous to do it because you don't put a, a, a proper from person doesn't put himself in a situation like this. But, but in principle, the same concept applies. The same concept would apply that, that you know, that uh, it wouldn't be a, you know, you wouldn't be, be in violation of an issue. Now, again, I, I don't, I'm not paskening over here. I'm just saying it out loud as a, as a point for discussion. But I, I couldn't understand you know, this big tararam that happened in Israel a number of uh, years ago when, uh, you know, when, when, 
when from guys or I can't remember I can't remember exactly the details with the Nachal Haredi or Hesder units etc you know there, there was a huge gavafel uh, there in the army about you know soldiers being you know going to a kind of a concert that was put on for Khayalim and they had to go there and they had to listen to the official uh, band and the band is made up of uh, of guys and girl singers so I, I remember being in that situation I remember when I was in the army that they, you know after you know they want to treat you every now and then and they take you to a town somewhere and they you know they give you all shawmas and they take you to a concert and so on so I mean I don't know why it was such an issue that 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 became that because I mean the bottom line is if like you're a Froom guy and you're standing right at the back of the at, at the back of the concert hall and you and you can hardly see the people down down below and the music generally is such terrible you know or you just what would be wrong with a person having to remain there and just switch off you know you know is it like in other words the whole issue was people walked out and they were Masaret Pukuda and I don't know why it was such a big issue. Meaning like according to this, if, if you were in that scenario, close your eyes, put on your headphones and, and just don't do anything. You know, so, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, like just, just, just turn yourself neutral. And, it's, you know, the, why was it such a big thing? I don't know. I don't know what went on there, but that's what I did anyway when I was in that situation. You know, you're at the back of the stadium, right up there. The people were singing, uh, it's, a, it's an issue. But you can easily neutralize yourself in some of, these, some of these issues. However, I understand the context. I understand that, you know, this is what happens. So it's often happened to me where I've debated this in my own head, where, you know, we get invited to weddings uh, all the time, thank God. And there's, you know, at weddings over here in Sydney, so, you know, Every now and then, somebody, some, 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 re- some relative, either in the Khosna's family or the Kala's family, has got a good voice. And I want to sing a song to the Khosna and Kala. And so, you know, they get up and they say the woman's going to do a song, you know, or the, the niece or the aunt or the sister, or whatever it is, they're going to they're do a song. So, yeah, you know, most of the time I, I walk out. If it's, if it's not going to cause trouble, I just get myself out of the situation. But I, but I sometimes get caught. I sometimes get caught that I'm either sitting at the, at the main table and, to, and I don't get enough warning, and now I'm, now I'm caught there. Now, to get up and make a whole balagan, you know, as, so, I mean, there's an eight right? The simple eight is just, just switch yourself off. You know what I mean? Like, so you're standing there, you don't look at the soloist who's singing, and, and uh, you just, like, block it out. And that way, you know, none of the engaged, none of the engagement of of sexual uh, attraction or prov- provocative uh, behaviors there. It's like it's completely gone. So I don't know. I just I just suggested as a way that if you if you in the scenario and you're gonna cause a balagan of that scenario, I think there's a simple answer here where you get out of the any potential issue because the only time that you're guilty of listening to a voice where the intention is there to turn it into into a sexual stimulant, but if you not if you don't have that intention at all, you know if you don't have that intention at all, I'm not sure what uh, I, you know. In other words, I don't I don't know why you can't get out of it. You know, okay, you never want to put yourself in the, in those positions, but but what can you do? You know, you're in these positions, and I also often question the following. I do find, and again, I'm not pascaling here. I'm just saying that 
these are my own uh, reflections. I find myself in a funny kind of a position with Kolisha. Because Kolisha, you know, is a is a Dindravanan. But then every wedding and simcha we go to, in our kehila in general, you know, the vast majority of people are not dressed anywhere near Tsanua. So, so here I am, you know, thinking to myself, I'm sitting in this hall, I'm, I'm talking to people, people are saying, hi, how are you, you know, you're busy schmoozing at the, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking at the person, and I, I can't help look at it, right, so I'm looking at this person, and most people are not dressed, right, most people, it's like, you know, what they're wearing is batel bashishim, right, so I'm looking at this person, and I, I've got it, like, obviously, you know, what do I do, right, so on the one hand, I'm forced to look at the person, and then I'm for, and then I want to force myself to walk out for Kolisha. It seems like there's so much uh, muscle, you know, to force me to walk out for Kolisha, but there isn't enough muscle stopping me doing a worse thing, looking at somebody who's not dressed. And that's the kind of uh, dilemma I sometimes have with this din. In other words. Strictly speaking, if I have a chance to get out of the situation, I get out of the situation. But I don't, I don't get out of the wedding. I don't, you know, I have to do the wedding at the wedding. So what, what, what do you do? You like, you just, you know, and you try and get the color, for example, to cover up and the parents, uh, the mothers to cover up under the hoop because you're making brochas over there. And, uh, you know, it's much, that to me is much more of a confronting scenario than the kolisha because kolisha is actually quite easy to disengage from. You know, this is just my own story. I, I you know, I, I, you know, we when we be Masari Kedushin, I use a card which has got the bracha on it, and I, you know, I make the bracha reading from the card. Now I've done a hell of a lot of weddings, and I know the bracha of my heart, but it's a great, it's a great tool to use the card. I'm looking at the card. I'm not looking at the person when I'm making the bracha. It's fantastic. It's like a fantastic strategy. You don't have to worry. No one says, Rabbi, you didn't look at me when you spoke to me. And I made the bracha. I got the card. So, you know, just, just that, that, that just helps there. But it's a very interesting, almost, it's almost like a hypocritical on the one hand that we're so pedantic about Kolisha, maybe because we have a choice, but with, but with everything else, we just so, don't have a choice. It's really, you're doing the wedding. And if you're not, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna do the, you're not gonna like look at people, you're not gonna do the wedding. It's a very, very tough scenario. The whole, the whole Madrig of Tsniuta over here is like really, really serious, you know. Over here, it's impossible not to look. I think I think we in Sydney get a special dispensation from the good Lord that that you know he doesn't get us for looking the first time. He gets us for looking the second time. You know, but uh, you know, but for, for the, the first you like you like literally seeing this thing, right? You know, so you know those are just my reflections on the on the concept. But um, I just as I say, this is uh, you know. I haven't seen I haven't seen too many people employ this as a chuva. Meaning, you know, I, what I did see was a, you know it happened yeah a couple of I don't know, years ago. So I spoke to Rav Moshe Lichtenstein about it, you know, in the Gush, and he wrote a chuva about about this, you know, trying to. Now the question was, you know, you know, when you when you, when a when a woman is going to go and do a solo at one of these. Uh, Zionist Federation, Balaganim, on Yom Asfut, Yom Asfut, Yom Shalom, whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's another game. It's a problem. Number one is they're not dressed Sanua. Number two, the songs that they're normally singing are not Shirei Kodesh. 
you know, so you've, you, you've got a balak, do you go, do you not go, do you leave, you know, so yeah, the question was, is that, you know, could you, could you work this longest to allow you at least not to put yourself in a crazy situation, don't go, but if you are there, do you have to walk out, or can you just disengage and say, well, look, you know, I'm not getting any, or, you know, I know that I'm not in any way using this as a stimulant, so, you know, I don't have to walk out. Anyway, that's, that's the question I have. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, the, that's the idea. So the, let's call it the lenient approaches are really, are really in, uh, in, in this, you know, using this particular swara that, uh, that we find here in the name of the Chida. It's backed up by the Stechemed and the Divei Chayfetz. But, but this is, a, you know, as I say, it's not, uh, you know, this, these are coolers that are debated and uh, not everybody's happy with this particular issue. Uh, it then extends to, you know, to deeper discussions where um, the Shiloh was asked years ago whether it made a difference if you see the woman or not. Is it just the voice that's a problem? And meaning that the voice is, is beautiful and therefore it's, it's, a new, uh, it's a new problem? Or is it, because, uh, is it because that by listening to the woman's beautiful voice and having her there at the same time, you know, attracts you sexually to the person. So this is the cornerstone of the debate, right, among the poskim, whether you can hear a woman on, uh, you know, on some sort of electronic media in the old days on records and tapes and the radio um, and possibly TV. You know, this would be the cornerstone of the, of the argument. And that is, you know, does it involve uh, the, the fear that the woman singing uh, arouses actual erotic thoughts um, or that the listener will be aroused, you know, to be attracted to the woman. You know, if you, if you say that, if you say like the first possibility, then there's no reason to distinguish between actually hearing the singer's voice and hearing it on any electronic medium because the actual, you know, the voice is the problem, you know, and that sort of fits with the phrase Kol Isha Erva, where you where you translating the phrase, uh, let's call it almost literally. Um, but if you hold, if you hold that there's a uh, there is a distinction, where where it's it's about you listening to the voice and that in turn creates a sexual attraction to her. Well, if she's not there, you're just listening to the radio. Um, you know how are you going to say that that's a problem? And this this is where I believe the the Machloket Aposkim is those who were Machmir would hold the first way. Those who are Meikil would hold the second way. And then again, they would say, well, if you now see her on TV, that's already something different because maybe you're actually going to, you might be attracted to her there. And so the Machmir would say TV is out or any kind of pictures out. And, the, and the, the lenient opinion would say that you totally detached from the woman, you know, if you're obviously listening for that purpose, you know, then of course it's a problem. But if you, you know, if you are in a sense neutral at that point, and there's no chance of any interaction, then um, then there's what to there was what to make And this is the when I spoke to Marushi he was quite makeil in this regard. That uh, you know, if if there was a detachment between you, the listener, and the woman, you know, assuming that the you know other issues aren't involved, but the kolisha problem, he only felt was only you know in real play when uh, you were listening to a live soloist, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with access to the person. So anyway, this is, this is with a, this is some of the, um, 
this is some of the issues that, uh, that come up in the discussion. I'll just finish off. If you want to read a little bit further about this, there was, a, there was an article published, um, you know, quite a while back. In 1980, uh, the article was published by a Rov by the name of Rav Shaul Berman uh, from Yeshiva University. And he had a real chidush. His whole article tried to demonstrate that the whole Kol Bisha Erva, the whole Yisur entire, was really only when you sang Kriyachma, but, but now the time. Anyway, gee, this, he was, I think he got, it, he got it from every side. But anyway, there's a, the, I found the article, so I've got, I've got the article photocopied. And then there's, I found uh, people writing against him. So many wrote against him. But there's one, Rav Henkin wrote a tshuva against him. Uh, so anyway, I've got those tshuvas if you want to see them. Um, anyway, so the point is, is that just to summarize over here, I didn't spend too much time on the, on the Machmirim because I think thought they were well known. Uh, let's call it the majority of Poskim or, you know, you know, those who are taking the whole discussion at face value, you know, Kolbi Shaira was seen uh, as strictly as, as an uncovered part of the woman's body. And that just as that is to be avoided, so as just to be avoided. The only difference could be whether, you know, it might be an Isudorita, but the majority is into Pascal and uh, the Mekilim are very interesting to see whether they got legs and what to stand on and where our youth movement and Kiruv uh, uh, scenarios and uh, Shabbos singing in Shul and on the, these, the, the Kula Shittas were a little bit uh, more challenging to find. But uh, anyway, we started off with the Bnei Yisachar uh, quoting the Chida. Then we went to, to others and, uh, you know, um, we more or less gave you a, a, a suggestion as how, how the Lomdus works in these particular scenarios. Anyway, look, it's, uh, as I say, meant for discussion. And uh, if anybody has any good uh, points or any harot, uh, always happy to hear them. Otherwise, uh, we've come to the end of our time. So wishing you uh, Shabbat Shalom. And I uh, hope you are able to go and make a minion. And, um, yeah, Shabbat, you know, have a great Shabbos, and we'll see you next week. Shabbos, Thank you. Thank you. Shabbos. Thank you. Shabbos. Thank you. Shabbos. Thank you. Shabbos.